0: Welcome to episode four of the We Love Doggos podcast. Today a very, very special episode with one of our charity partners.
1: Yes, today we will be interviewing Kara, the founder of the Underdog Railroad. We're gonna talk about how she got her nonprofit started and what's changed since the origin. So we can't wait for you to hear from Kara. I'm Terry. And I'm Jesse.
0: And this is the We Love Doggos Podcast. All right, podcast listeners and watchers, in a couple of seconds, you're going to hear from Kara, an amazing interview, but a little bit of context. I met Kara driving down an open highway in Northwest Montana and I look in front of me and there's a van from the Stockton Animal Shelter. Now, I know Northern California. What's a van from Northern California doing near the Canadian border? So we're honking and waving and like me and me and uh, my wife, Lori, we just like, we don't know. We take the exit and lo and behold, when we pull into the hotel parking lot in front of us is this van and out hops Kara. And of course, I'm, you know. I gotta see what's going on. And inside the van, there are 37 crates and most of them are empty. And Kara tells us she's just finishing one of her trips. And here's what Kara does. She monitors kill shelters in Northern California and dogs who are gonna be euthanized, she tries to place them all the way going up north towards Canada She'll just stop and she'll drop a couple dogs here at a foster home and a couple dogs here at a no kill shelter. And she does this a couple of times a month. And so I happen to be so fortunate to follow a person who does this. Now, to find out, of course, we become fast friends. And I'm like, how can we help? We really, really want to help. And she has a small team. And she last year, she transported 318 dogs from kill shelters in Northern California, and they just dropped them off all the way. She has a full-time job. She has a regular life. She doesn't make a penny for doing this. So when you listen to today's episode, the story, the the conversations with Karen, how she got started and just realized this is somebody who didn't seek the attention. This is somebody who... Who is not looking for the glory or the recognition, but her and a little tiny team of people save hundreds of dogs every single year. So, without further ado, here's Jess's interview with Kara.
1: Hi, Kara. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. Nice to be here. Nice to yes, see you. We are so thankful to have you for everybody tuning in. This is Kara Kinzel, and she is the founder of the Underdog Railroad Transport, which is a company and a nonprofit that we are so, so proud to support. So I would love to just kickstart our conversation with the origin story of the Underdog Railroad for our listeners.
2: Um, it's a little complicated. I'm probably we'll just kind of Compact it a little bit. Sure, um, yeah. I started volunteering in 2015 at Front Street Animal Shelter in Sacramento, which is the Sacramento City Shelter. Um, my first, our first foster, we foster failed with Lucille. Um, <laughs> we lost her early last year, unfortunately. Um, but then I our second foster was big, huge German shepherd who was just absolutely terrified of everything, including stairs, enclosed spaces, being alone. <laughs> um, and I quickly realized that the um, municipal shelter systems really are not set up for behavioral issue dogs, even low level, you know, separation anxiety and that kind of stuff. So um, I started fostering for a German shepherd rescue who was pulling quite a bit from um, a shelter shelter. In kind of the Central Valley, and definitely more equipped to deal with issues. Um, so I kind of got sucked into that shelter and was desperately trying to figure out how to get dogs out um, and save them from being euthanized. So I got added to a random group chat about a hoarding situation in Kern County one night, and I was not able to help with that situation. You know, Bakersfield's. Um, a few hours further south of us. And it just not logistically practical for me with so many right here in my own backyard needing help. Um, But somebody who was in that group chat and also couldn't help messaged me on the side and said, hey, I can't help that situation, but I might be able to help you. And you're wow, (laughs) that's amazing. And I think As
1: we've worked with you throughout the years, what really amazes me the most about what you do is that you and your team of volunteers is so resilient. And if there are dogs that need out of there, you're going to do everything you possibly can to get them out. And I think that that is so inspiring to dog lovers and the facilities that you support. Have you seen that direct response and correlation with them? How's that relationship been?
2: Um, I have seen that we um, will do everything that we possibly can to help get dogs to where they need to go. Um, And our receiving partners respond amazingly to that. You know, if we're willing to drive, you know, 3000 miles round trip for a dog, that really inspires people to want to help um, and help more, you know, even if it just means that they can take one more dog or if they can take you know, a puppy or something that's going to empty a kennel at our local shelter and make more space for the incoming dogs. Um, the response has just been it—it's humbling.
1: Yes, and every single shelter space really matters. I think that's something that is so important for anybody listening. That if you have it in your heart to fill a space in your home with a foster dog, so that somebody else gets that opportunity in the shelter those little efforts add up. And what I love that you always say, Kara, is that teamwork saves lives. And that is so, so impactful to me. And something that as a charity coordinator with, we love doggos, I've really learned from you and taken that into other relationships that I've had with other shelters. So I can't thank you enough for those words of wisdom too.
2: Of course we just, you know, we all have egos. We just do. (laughs) Um, But, um, I have learned that, you know, sometimes I just need to close my mouth (laughs) and and do something instead of, and like, it's not about me. It's really, it really truly is about the dogs. So if, you know, I need to humble myself, then I do.
1: Yes. And I think that that is that is why you continue to flourish and do this work. From my perspective, like you you really put the hubris away and you you enter that environment with such an open heart. And that's awesome. Um, One of the questions that I have is about your journey. Right. Every single time you go on the road, it has to be so different. What does that look like for you um,
2: just more generally? Um, Well, I'm typically a type A person. So I like spreadsheets. I like things to be very organized. And the rescue world is the complete opposite. (laughs) We do things on the fly. Um, Dogs break out of crates on transport. You got to figure it out. We've done roadside crate repair with a corkscrew and zip ties. Wow. (laughs) We carry more tools than that now. (laughs) But... (laughs) But, you know, just keeping an open mind and making sure that you're ready or prepared or, you know, that you've not forgotten to put, you know, the cold weather windshield wiper fluid in the van before you leave. Because frozen windshield wiper fluid doesn't work <laughs> that right. you, need you need it. So just um, kind of being prepared for a little bit of everything mm-hmm. is really the only way that you can kind of get through it. Oh. Yeah.
1: How many stops do you typically take during a transport?
2: Um, it depends. I mean, if we're doing a leg transport, you know, I drove one dog to Reno yesterday, so that's four hours, just four hours round trip for me. I know that doesn't sound sounds like a lot for a lot of people, but two hours is, you know. Um, so she went to her foster home. Um, if we're doing a super long transport, it will every time we stop for gas or i mean that's pretty much the only times that we stop is to stop and get gas fortunately a lot of the um truck stops now have dog parks so at least we have a little grassy spot typically to walk Um, but it just depends on how far we're going you know if we're going to reno there's no stops if we're going to coeur d'alene idaho there's a bunch of stops (laughs)
1: Yeah. My goodness. I think it's so awesome that you guys have gone all the way up the West Coast, even into Canada. That's yeah. mind-blowing to me. And those must be such whirlwind adventures. What yeah. challenges do you typically feel like are persistent in those kind of longer journeys? Is there anything that sticks out in your mind that you continuously are working to improve?
2: Um, the only consistent challenge we have is weather oh yeah there's not anything that we can do about that (laughs) right we can't control the weather (laughs) Uh, we just we check weather forecasts we check um you know road conditions where in the pacific northwest it's been so frozen and even you know the whole country has been frozen the last couple weeks Mm
1: -hmm. so
2: just checking and making sure that we're doing something that's going to be safe for everybody involved um We don't want to put anybody in harm's way or at risk, um, if we can possibly avoid that. Um, As far as being prepared, you know, with the animals, just making sure that everybody starts with kind of a calm demeanor, that we're not getting anybody real ramped up. I have learned that the huskies should go up front where they can see you because then they don't try and break out and come up
1: front. (laughs) Oh, that's a good one. Yes.
2: You're like, okay, who looks like they're gonna try and break out? Let's put them where we can see them. It just it's a very interesting uh, learning experience.
1: Yes, it definitely sounds that way. One of the questions that I have is kind of about a similar chain of thought. It's about the relationships that you establish with the dogs. I know that you are taking them oftentimes very long distances Mm -hmm. is there anything that you would recommend to a new dog parent that's rescued a dog or a foster that really needs to kind of build that trust and relationship right off the
2: bat how do you navigate that um with a lot of patience um and just trying to kind of i mean obviously we can't put ourselves in their position anthropomorphizing as probably taking a little bit overboard, but just being patient, realizing that, um, you know, oftentimes these dogs have been in shelters for months um, in situations where they're not getting out of kennels very much um, and they haven't had a whole lot of human interaction. So sometimes just the interaction itself will overstimulate them. So just kind of watching their cues and making sure that we're um, paying close attention to how they're reacting to our our interactions and interactions with other dogs and food and all of those variables that are different What like every single dog and in stressful situations sometimes can, you know, take different turns. So yes. we just want to make sure that we're watching everybody and really trying to understand that they are stressed and are really doing the best they can. Mm-hmm. Trying to help them get through that situation to where they feel more confident and more comfortable I think
1: that makes total sense. It sounds like reading their cues is really the best thing you could possibly do and giving yeah. them space as they need it for yeah. sure.
2: Yeah. I know it's hard, especially when you get a first, a new foster. And if it's a first foster, you want to you know, sit on the couch and snuggle and have treats and all the things that you want to do with the dog that's been in a shelter situation for months, sometimes on end. But just giving them space to decompress and have – um know, a quiet space.
1: I I can speak to that personally. I got my second dog, Delilah, from the Australian Shepherd Rescue Network of Colorado. (laughs) And she's a lovely little bean running around the house right now. Um, But it did take her about five months to really feel comfortable Mm -hmm. in this new environment. And then there's the added factor of me already having a dog. Mm -hmm. So it's just about letting her have her space and come to us when she's ready. And now she's like a little magnet. She is just always by our side. So it's awesome to be on the other side of that and really see those positive changes over time.
2: Yeah, it's so rewarding. It really is. I mean, it is challenging bringing, you know, a new dog into your home. But Mm -hmm. the rewards to me are just overwhelmingly positive.
1: And I completely agree. We certainly love doggos, and that's why we're here for sure. Talk to me about your volunteers. How do people get involved in this kind of work that you're doing? And how would you recommend people get involved in their own communities?
2: Um, So our situation is very different than a traditional rescue. Um, The dogs that we're pulling have places to go. They have fosters lined up on the other end. So there's no foster failing here. (laughs) um as far as getting involved um any any rescue any uh, municipal shelter spca we're all desperate for fosters right now um and not everybody can foster you know people live in apartments they have two dogs already and are maxed out so you know going and helping walk dogs or you know Drive dogs a couple of hours to where they need to go to a foster or a rescue or leg transporting or, you know, getting on next door and saying, Hey, my local shelter needs blankets and towels. Um, mm. It's not all foster based. We can do lots and lots of things just by asking our community and our neighbors to help out because not everybody knows. I mean, With it being so cold, some of the smaller shelters, especially in Montana and Wyoming right now, are struggling with heat um, Mm and power being on. So just kind of asking those questions. Like, what do you what do you need? Yes, everybody needs fosters. We know that. But is there something tangible that I can I can help with? You know, can I can I do um, a fundraiser for you for my birthday or anything else like that?
1: Yeah, I think that's such an important point to come back to is that it's not just about the space, it's about the resources. Mm-hmm. And the shelters can't really do all that much without the the things to keep these dogs thriving, right? Yeah. So I think that's a really valid point that you've brought yeah. up that if you're looking for things to do. Just reach out to your shelter. A lot of them even have wish lists, right? So you mm-hmm. could just kind of work your way through their wish list throughout the year. That's something yeah. that we have done for a few rescues as well. So I think that's a really great point that you brought up.
2: And even, I mean, if you aren't able financially to, um, help out with the wish list, you certainly can share it and say, Hey, you know, they need 20 new Kongs this year. So if you can donate one Kong and then find a couple of other friends who can donate a couple also, just, just to share the message and get the word out that, um, you know, shelter dogs matter.
1: Shelter dogs do matter, and we every time I go to a shelter, I really wish that I could take them all home, but that's yeah. unfortunately not <laughs> not the case. All we can do is chip away one by one and support yes. the people like you that are really out there doing the best work. And I can't thank you enough for the work that you continue to do. It's been really an honor for our entire community to be able to support that work.
2: We appreciate you guys very much. Um, I have kind of half joking. I don't know if you're familiar with the Johnny Cash song "One Piece at a Time."
1: Oh, I sure <laughs> am. That's a great one.
2: But I think "One Dog at a Time" would all would be a great parody for that song. Yes, I think so too. That's a really
1: clever <laughs> one. Um, to close us out today, we always like to end things on a on a light and loving nostalgic note can you share just off the top of your head one of the most joyous or heartfelt rescue experiences that really stands out for you
2: um well we have a couple the one that is least likely to make me cry <laughs> yeah, there you <laughs> go um a big malamute mix that we actually had on transport two weeks ago he's in canada now um with four husky malamute brothers and sisters um he was adopted from a local shelter here as a puppy and then turned up as a stray as an eight-year-old in not great medical condition
1: Mm
2: -hmm. um so we were able to find a spot for him Um, he's getting the medical care that he needs now um not all the shelters are able to do extensive medical care so we try and support the medical cases as best as we can and find places for them but um i got a picture from his to adopt mom and this guy weighs a hundred like a hundred pounds. And he said, My new lap dog. Oh, <laughs> His that's adorable. Now, S-U-N-N-Y. Because he just has a, such a sunny personality. Mm-hmm. He just never let anything get him down. He was at the shelter for almost a month. Just very sad looking. And as soon as we got him out, he just loved, loves everybody. We took him to the dog wash the day after we got him from the shelter, which we don't usually do. And he just absolutely adored being touched and getting shampooed. And then he didn't mind the blow dryer at all, which was great because there was fur going everywhere. Uh Um, But just he just absolutely he loves the snow. He's having a great time. So it was just one of those like this is why we do what we do moments.
1: Yes. And to see it come full circle like that. Yeah. Is really really rewarding as you said earlier it's just so nice to see the whole journey and to see these dogs from where they started all the way till they're running in the snow and living their best life so
2: that's having a great time
1: that's the best we can ask for for sure I can't I can't imagine how many of those kind of stories that you have but I really really do appreciate you joining us today and sharing a little bit more about the underdog railroad transport.
2: When is your next one? Um, well I don't have anything scheduled right now. Um, mm-hmm. the we're gonna let the weather kind of calm down a little bit. Oh yeah and then um, then see where we're gonna go next but I can't imagine it's gonna be too long. <laughs> oh yeah, there, yeah we there's have always them. more. We have done two transports so far this year, being the night, actually three now, because I did one yesterday. Um, So we've done three transports in 19 days, and that is 15 dogs.
1: Wow, Kara, that is amazing. And I am so, so inspired by you, and I really do mean that. The work that you do is incredible. And we- I can't thank you enough, truly. And from our whole entire community, thank you so much for your time today. We are so, so in your corner whenever you need us here at We Love Doggos, and we'll be here cheering you on.
2: Thank you. We appreciate your support.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. All right. Take care. Hey, okay, bye bye. Bye
0: bye wow Jess what a heartwarming what a heartwarming story it's so great to see you too and the just the love you have for dogs and in case you, you don't know uh, we love doggos one of our primary things we do is we support other charities that help dogs so when you hear from people like Kara um, you're gonna see how our community supports another community and all we care about in the end is are we making the world a better place for dogs so Kara is definitely doing that, and we're so happy to support that.
1: Absolutely. You heard it yourself. She says teamwork saves lives. And in our next episode, you're going to hear even more about how our community is helping other partners. So next week, tune in to hear a little bit more about our other charity partner, Tobacco Valley Animal Shelter.
0: And I'm just, I'm not going to... I did the interview and I got to be honest, I lost it a couple times, Jess. I lost it because Wendy has taken that entire county and with just her small team, turned it from a kill county to no dogs are killed in that county and over 9,000 dogs have been saved because of her efforts. Wow. So if you like this show and you feel like you want more of it, then not only should you like and subscribe, But you should call up a couple of friends, email them, you should text them, you should do whatever you got to do because we need all of us, all of us dog lovers together to help make this world a better place for dogs.
1: Absolutely. Until next time, thank you for tuning in to the We Love Doggos podcast.
0: Ow. Ow